You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 69. I'm your host, Andrej Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! Hey! Hello! Okay, I'm a bit worried to ask the question. Has it actually happened this time, Pontus? Yeah, uh, today, as we record it, is the, it's the 7th of April, and... Uh, there's been a terror attack in in stockholm so uh, it's uh, and i don't think that gives trump any right to say that he was right but yeah. um, i'm sure he will claim that it's sort of i don't know never mind uh, i'm i'm sure you, everybody will know more when you hear this episode but right now it seems that there's four four people dead and uh, mm. nine uh, seriously hurt so it, it's mm. terrible it is. Yeah. yeah. And coincidentally, it happens to be the same day as uh, Trump started bombing Syrian targets and uh, turns against Vladimir Putin. Yeah, it's a, looks his d- beloved. Mm. Yeah. Looks dark I, I at have, the moment. Yeah. yeah. I have heard um, the snippet of the news this morning that um, media in Russia and Putin pissed off with Trump. They said that Trump hasn't actually gotten the majority of votes in election well what are you going to do with this news now yeah yeah (laughs) nothing okay i don't want to sound very alarmist but uh i'm i i do have high hopes that uh by the time this show goes out uh we're still not gonna be in the middle of world war three so uh let's just uh all hope for that yeah yeah let's (laughs) I, I don't think it'll be that bad, but it's uh, still it's yeah. uh, it's not good news, and uh, you know it's definitely not two crazy people leading the two big countries in the world. Uh, exactly. What can you do? Not a political podcast, by the way. Still not a political <laughs> podcast, or tries not to be. We haven't to say that awfully lot. <laughs> yeah, we have recently to say that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Increasingly. Yeah. All right, but on a more positive note, Mm -hmm. these are days and weeks dedicated to two different things. Uh, One of them is autism. The 2nd of April is Autism Awareness Day, which uh, this this year uh, was, on several different channels, transformed into Autism Acceptance Day. Mm. And uh, there is actually an Autism Acceptance Month going on this April. So... Be advised that there are those out there who are trying to exploit the very fact that we don't know enough about autism. I mean, the general public, we don't know what it's what what it is all about, and uh, this is this is why it it leads to situations when we are actually being taken advantage of by those who are offering bogus treatments and everything uh, to something that is a condition and not even a disease and it's it's a, a spectrum of conditions so so it's it's um it's very important that that we understand it and that we accept that there are those among us who live with autism normal people with some aspects of their life being a bit more difficult than others mm. and and that's that's about it and there is there is a range to it the other one is uh well everyone happy world homeopathy awareness week (laughs) yeah yeah 
Yeah, that started on the 10th, uh, or will start in the t- on the 10th, but we're recording it beforehand, so, um, yeah. Yeah, lots to cover. And uh, the best website about that out there is still um, <laughs> the, the, the one uh, operated by the, the Good Thinking Society. <laughs> uh, with all the information, the proper information about homeopathy. Let's link to that, right? Should we? Yeah, we will, we will, Drop definitely. A- we will definitely S- sourced information. <laughs> and there is another one that was um, uh, started when that the ten twenty three homeopathy nothing in it campaign started. Uh, that was how does homeopathy work dot com. Uh, do make sure that you check out uh, the listeners if you haven't already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to be talking about um, autism or some somehow uh, touching uh, on autism as well today we're going to be talking about homeopathy a bit so yeah um it, this is this is going to be a quite a, a packed episode we're going to start talking about a couple of things and then moving on to the regular segments just before we start let me tell you one of my latest experiences <laughs> it was so funny it happened a couple of days ago and I was in the process of registering as a driver with a company and it involved a drug and an alcohol test. Uh-huh. Um, since I'm, I'm still not in the habit of uh, drinking alcohol in the morning, I, I, didn't, ha- I didn't have a problem with the alcohol it, test. Right? Yeah, 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 I'm working on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I didn't have a problem with the alcohol test. However, Ooh. there was a urine test for drugs. And it came up with a so-called non-negative result Oops. for opiates. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. What did you have for breakfast? I was scratching my head for a while. <laughs> he yeah, probably had a, a special muffin for thing. breakfast. That's the funny thing that I, I, I was scratching my head for a while. And then I realized that two days beforehand, I was eating large quantities of poppy seed. Oh. Ah. Yeah, that's a known uh, side effect that they can It come is. Up. And nobody um, believed you. <laughs> no, I did tell them. And the the funny thing is uh, about this, the funniest is is that it's it's part of our culinary joys. So it's uh, I love poppy seeds and and there are lots of cakes and and dishes that that are available. And my sister did this this Hungarian dish which which is lovely, have loads of poppy seed in it and, uh, mm. <laughs> and apparently it still stayed in my system. <laughs> and uh yeah all right yeah actually you know what the english name of poppy we're eating the seeds of is mm, it's no. called opium poppy <laughs> oh okay <laughs> you should have yeah. known that beforehand yeah yeah, yeah. so for the but false positive tests are widely known about um, poppy seed consumption in the world of sports and even uh snopes has written about it about poppy seeds and and whether it is true that that uh, it can cause false positive results so it it can so i still don't know if i'm accepted as a driver at, at that company but we'll see about that <laughs> okay okay do you know that feeling when we when you listen to the episode and then you realize that you wanted to ask a specific question of the person you, we interviewed. Mm-hmm. So what did you forget <laughs> to ask? I wanted to push for the vaccination side. Pontus, you're going to be talking about vaccination on this episode. But uh, you know when we were discussing how the public opinion needs to be formed by elevating the, the, the public debate and, and not by legislation without consulting the public. But think about Australia and the no jab, no pay and the no jab, no play uh, legislations. I think 
I think they're quite effective and, and they, they should be done like that because when it comes to things like like vaccination, it shouldn't be the choice of the parents because the choice the parents if if they're misinformed and they're not making the right choice, then we can end up with a public health catastrophe. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Talking about catastrophe, that that's that's in the in the title of the the infamous vaxxed movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, from cover up the catastrophe, and um, it turns out that the 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 Irish um, screening is still on, so it, it 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 goes on. But under the radar, another one happened, and it was uh, Rudiger from Germany who contacted me and uh, pointed me uh, the direction of Essen. And in Essen, a couple of days ago, a screening actually happened. Ooh. And there was a bit of a, a protest before it started. So the police had to sort the whole thing out. And uh, some local doctors in Wakefield they w- were engaged in a, in a uh, productive discussion. But how it was communicated by the anti-vaxxers is that there was this uh, bullies present and this, this mob who tried to, to stop them, stop the event from happening. And uh, so this is exactly what we talked about, that this is not the way to go. This is not no. not how, how you want to deal with this. Mm. So this is the latest. Um, but I, I'd like to emphasize that the my offer for the link to the movie is still, still on. Uh, we are still being contacted by people about that. And please, if you have seen the movie, please write a review on iTunes and Amazon, where the the movie is unfortunately available and and uh, it's it's there for for everyone to see. In uh, Portugal, uh, on first of April, they have uh, awarded the Flying Unicorn Awards, and with they I mean Concept, the uh, Portuguese uh, skeptic mm, organization. Nice. Yeah. So they, they gave out the Gramophone Award, which is for press and other media. And it went. the winner was a TV show called Life in the Cards, The Dilemma. So this mm. is a, a show featuring mediums and tarot card readers, etc. Okay. Uh, they have, among other things, advised a woman who was, in an ab- uh, was abused by her husband to if she should be more uh, caring uh, uh, and more affectionate towards him, and then it'll stop. So. Oy, oy, oy. Great advice. I can't think of a worse advice. Great, great advice. <laughs> Idiots. Dangerous idiots. Uh, they also have oh this um, uh, other award called The Emperor Has No Clo- Clothes. Mm-hmm. And that went to a nursing school. Uh, it was, or it's run by the Red Cross. For last year, they organized a conference about something called esogetics. That's a new word for me. But it is apparently pseudo-medical bullshit, according to Diana Barbosa. <laughs> <laughs> I had to contact her and say, what is this all about? So is thank- this what the actual <laughs> communique said? Or, or, no. It's what Diana said. So thank you very okay, much, Diana. Okay. I don't know if that was the official <laughs> wording. Uh, Esogetics was apparently created by a German naturopath called Peter Mandel. Mm-hmm. Or Mendel, perhaps. Uh, and it involves crystal therapy and another word that I hadn't heard before, chromopuncture. Okay. Chromopuncture is acupuncture, but with colored light instead of needles. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sure that okay. does work. It works just as well, I would say. Yeah. So anyway, uh, they got the, the Emperor Has No Clothes Award for uh, arranging this co- uh, conference. 
And then the third award that they usually give out, the Shooting Star, which is for celebrities that have done something or said something very stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not awarded this time uh, because there were not uh, enough uh, candidates to vote for. So I guess that's mm. that's a good thing. Yeah, well, signs for the best. I don't know. Do we know anything about how many people um, cast a vote? Ooh, or? No, I, I thought, no, I didn't check that. But you can already mm-hmm. now go and vote for 2017 if you want to. The nominations and the voting has started, so uh, we will link to the website where you can go and. Okay. But that's the results for next April. That's the results the for next April Fool's Day. Yes. So it's uh, 2018. Yeah. If we survive until then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I will do my best. Let's. Yeah. Let's take one day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And especially, we are all over 35, so yeah, over 35, uh, every day, every day is a, is a gift, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, talking about uh, future prizes, uh, there is um, another prize that is a positive prize. So it's for, for those who stand up for science and uh, are actually promoting science and trying to propagate critical thinking and the methods of science. Um, even though they they face hostility or difficulty uh, doing so. So this is the John Maddox Prize, which will be awarded uh, this November as well. This November meaning 2017, of course. And uh, nominations are open. Uh, You can go on Sense About Science's website. Obviously, the link will be available on the show notes on our website. And uh, you can cast your vote. Interestingly, I think I did not mention specifically that um, uh, about the the event I attended recently. It was Standing Up for Science organized at um, uh, Goldsmith College by Chris French and uh, the Sense About Science. uh, That... The panelists were awardees of the, the John Maddox Prize. Hmm. Uh, I think all of them, yeah. So it was it was quite quite an experience. It's an international award, so make sure you don't leave out anyone just on the basis of them not being English or American. Obviously, you need to have the information that 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 needs need to have have the proof that they are engaging in that activity. But uh, if that is available, then. It's absolutely fine. Do nominate people. Yep. And I believe there is another event where um, usually prizes are being awarded. QED has been announced uh, for 14th, 15th of October 2017 in Manchester again. And um, the tickets are going to go on sale on Monday, the 1st of May. Um, and the price will be £109. Um, or That's outrageous! <laughs> oh, there is shut a up, you! Pound, there is a ten-pound rise in the price. They've kept the price low for so many years, and I really I know appreciate. I'm yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> they they kind of emphasize that for for years and years they they never increased the price. And um, actually, when the questionnaire came out last year to say what you would pre- be prepared to pay. Uh, we definitely agreed to pay, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds more depending yeah. on what they wanted to do. It's still I think a very, very reasonable price. Absolutely. For, for it's such the cheapest well conference. It's, it's, well worth it's the cheapest conference to go to in terms of um, the events and the speakers they get and um, the val- value you get for money. So, And it's still awesome. And I, I can't <laughs> believe they only increased it by 10 quid. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. So there you go. Um, 
Uh, and I'm going to actually put it in my calendar. That's amazing. I love QED. And that's the event where um, the Occam's Awards are uh, usually... Uh, oh, that's what you were talking about. Yeah. Yes, of course. And but there are there are other awards as well. I I already talked about it uh, last time on the last episode. But please uh, keep in mind that uh, we are eligible to to be nominated for the British Podcast Awards. I know there are lots of of brilliant, amazing podcasts out there um, competing, but uh, we would love to be nominated. So if you you feel like it, uh, then please nominate us and see what happens. And the URL will be, uh, obviously, among the show notes. The 17th um, Biannual European Skeptics Congress um, 2017 will take place in Wroclaw in Poland between September 22nd and September 24th. And uh, they have now opened the registration for participants um, in the conference. If somebody would like to become a speaker or a panelist, um, they can do so by... So they have to write to the uh, conference uh, by May the 1st. Um, and then they will receive a response by June the 1st. And if you go to their website, which we will link in our show notes, there are several topics that um, you can apply to be a speaker or a panelist in, like yeah. science, religion, uh, paranormal investigation, etc. Great. I'm pretty sure that if there are those among our listeners who, who don't usually check out the website for the links that we provide, this will be the time to definitely go and check it out because there's going to be lots of important links uh, among the mm-hmm, show notes. Mm-hmm. Also, of course, when you go there, uh, you go to uh, our website, you check out the calendar and there are a lot of other things happening uh, at the moment, there is the Rationalist International Conference in in Helsinki, for instance, that is in uh, well second week of May, and then of course there's uh, there's a lot of other things. So go there and and have a look. We keep keep it up to date, so uh, you will find everything there. Um, and you can also get in touch with us by emailing us. Our email address is info at theesp.eu. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu. Um, or go on our website and complete the contact form. It's Our website address is theesp.eu. Also, don't forget to like us on Facebook. Um, if you do get our podcast via iTunes, please don't forget to leave um, a review and uh, spread the word. Yeah. And you can also, of course, still give us donations on the website by clicking on the donate button. So please do that. It'll make us feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tremendously good. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to throw in a, um, a Trump reference. Good. Thank you very much. I think that has been the longest introduction to the, <laughs> the show so far. But uh, that's only because we want to share all the information that we have of, um, uh, access to. So um, the next step will be to move on to uh, one of our regular segments, which is This Week in Skepticism, presented by Yellow Lavin. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about somebody who died the week that our episode is out. It's April 11th, 1903. Um, and it's Gemma uh, Galgani, or the full name is Maria Gemma 
Amberta Galgani. Mm-hmm. She was an Italian mystic uh, venerated as a saint uh, in the Roman Catholic Church since 1940. And she has been called the daughter of passion because of her profound imitation of passion of Christ. Mm-hmm. She had a very short life. She died when she was only 25. Uh, she got sick um, and um, she... Um, was the diagnosed with t- tuberculosis, which wasn't as curable back in the days as it is now. So she only had a very few years, and yet she became this um, uh, saint, and um, she claimed to have performed the various miracles. Um, she was born into a very large family, um, to a wealthy pharmacist, um, but she actually became an orphan at the age of 18 and ended up looking after a few of her siblings herself. Um, and she was very religious and she bro- was brought up in a very religious family and um, became a member of um, a church. Uh, well, it's, I guess it's a branch of the church uh, called Passionists. And um, it's a Roman Catholic religious institute. And they uh, are all about celebrating the life of Jesus Christ. And um, they seek the unity of lives. And um, what they say, we seek the unity of life and our upper state in the passion of Jesus. So they always want to remember the suffering of Jesus and his life. Mm. Um, And she, well, she refused all of the life joys and it was all about believing in god and believing in jesus and loving jesus um i found some of her writings online and it sounded very um italian uh, no i don't want to say hysterical but she writes about loving jesus more than her life and wanting to suffer for him and wanted to take all the pain and just so that was her focus, the Jesus and, and the thing. Um, and this background is really important because um, uh, what she became uh, known for and the reason why she became uh, a saint was the fact that um, uh, on uh, June the 8th, 1899, um, she displayed the sign of stigmata. Stigmata is um, is a term used to... Um, the wounds of Christ. By members of Christian faith to describe body marks, yes the sores or sensations of pain in locations corresponding to the crucifixion wounds of Christ, Mm. such as hands, wrists and feet. And um, nobody knew how she got these wounds. And of course, there was nobody present when she got them. She just displayed them uh, after, you know, they appeared. And of course, um, then it was a a, a big thing because um, that means she was chosen. And then after that, she also claimed to levitate, etc., and see or hear words of God uh, about the future. Um, so there was mixed sort of um, reception uh, of her during her life, but by by her peers and by uh, by the church. So uh, some of the church actually didn't believe in the um, stigmatas, and then they. they they basically accused her of being fake and uh, another side of the t- church of course um pronounced her saint so um but f- looking at this from our perspective from skeptic perspective we can of course do our own research and read up about the stigmatas and uh see what what is known about this uh, phenomenon and as far as we know there is no proof it's a real thing but um 
is it real or hoax or something in between? It's very hard to say. And so it's uh, very hard to, to verify scientifically. Uh, veteran researcher James Randi, who we have interviewed on our podcast, um, in his Encyclopedia of Claims, Frauds and Hoaxes of the Occult and Supernatural, notes that since 24-hour-day surveillance would be necessary to establish the validity of these phenomena as miracles, um, no case of stigmata exists that can be said to be free of suspicion. So nobody actually sat in front of the camera or uh, an audience and and, and and kind of produced those stigmatas, stigmata wounds um, in front of the audience. There, there is actually another uh, Italian saint who uh, is yeah. um, fa- uh, Father Pio. Yes, that's right. And there actually okay. people claim that he um, uh, mimicked James G- Galani's way. Yeah in a way and then he kind of denied it later and, and he's he's held in such a great esteem by the by the italian people yeah that in southern italy you yeah. see even trucks on the sides of which there is a huge uh, the size of a human yeah. um picture of father pio <laughs> which is amazing mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. amazing it it is and that um i think so the reason why i was talking about um gemma's background and her love of Jesus Christ and, and the, um, the this passionist sect she was involved uh, is because and also uh, that she was so excited about the faith um, I think it's all kind of affected her mindset and I think sainthood was maybe even something that she would was aspired to be because oh, yeah. if you yeah. are part of that environment, uh, to be a saint is, is all... I don't want to yeah. sound too crass, but um, some of the connections is being made between, uh, obviously, self-harm uh, and some mental dis- illnesses and people who would uh, dis- display stigmatas. So, and sometimes, actually, the self-harm can happen whilst people are in a trance, and so they don't actually realize they're doing that to themselves. Mm. So when I was reading up more about the uh, stigmatas and stuff like that, so that could also be a possibility. It's easy to see how maybe she didn't have, obviously, but by that time she didn't have any family left, and she was in a, a place, very religious place, and um, it, I can see how that could probably happened with or with or without her knowing <laughs> um but yes so she's now um a saint and uh apparently a patron of students which I'm not sure <laughs> how I would feel about that um i don't know if it's only italian students though mm, i don't think and so and she's said to be the top of her class before having to leave school and she's also a saint of pharmacists which I don't know how pharmacists feel about that. <laughs> um, I don't want to sound like a nitpicking son of a bitch, but um, I do think that stigmata is uh, already in plural. Oh, did I say stigmata? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to mention oh, that. Oh, it's fine. You probably... You, yeah, you, you're right. It's... Okay. All right. That's me. All right. Thanks very much, Yala. Mm. And that means we are ready to, hopefully, um, ready to move on to um, a quick run-through a couple of news items from across Europe. We have quite a bit um, of them. So, um, yeah, let's move on. We have a win for friends of ours in Good Thinking Society. They have published an article on their website recently to say that BBC upheld their complaint against Look North Report, it's a a news uh, channel, um, on chiropractic for animals. 
So they have um, raised this complaint with BBC last year in May. And uh, the complaint was about a program that included an item of the treatment of animals by chiropractics, which, according to the introduction, uh, it was becoming more common for vets to recommend. And then the representative of the Good Thinking Society complained that the item gave an unwarrantedly positive impression of the therapy for which there was no good scientific evidence and did not make clear that animals may only receive such treatments under particular circumstances. So the item did not reflect the existence of a degree of controversy surrounding chiropractic treatment of animals, including criticism that it is not supported by meaningful evidence and has never been subject to controlled clinical trial. Um, and of, as further actions, the program makers have been reminded of the need to take into account the extent to which the claimed benefit of an alternative therapy is uh, supported by scientific evidence and to reflect this in the coverage by including the, the views of more mainstream uh, practitioners. So that's pretty positive, I think. Um, and um, keep up the good work, guys. Um, we need more of these kind of things to happen with the media and the reports yeah. surrounding medicine and other topics. Yeah. Nice. Talking about medicine and other to uh, topics, um, we do know that the, 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 there is one particular area, homeopathy, that that goes very strong in the royal family. But apparently, common sense and uh, willingness to accept scientific consensus on a, a particular topic is not necessarily something that every member of the royal family rejects. And this is based on a BBC report um, on... Princess Anne, who is the the sister of uh, Prince Charles, the Prince of Wales, uh, so that the Princess Royal, who's a six-year-old six elderly woman and who's uh, who has their own uh, farms, and she did say that we have to accept that a genetically modified crops might have important benefits. Mm. to providing food yes. good for her for people and livestock she even says that gene technology has got real benefits to offer and she's she's a working farmer and a patron of several countryside organizations so it's a big thing that she actually expressed that opinion so well done princess Anne. good yeah, it's a shame that public opinion relies on celebrities declaring their thoughts um it's a shame but we have to accept that that is the case yeah, and uh, yeah. that's that's why we need um celebrities to speak up about scientific issues like that yeah. our friends from Night nightingale collaboration posted a report this week following a review um, of data published by the nhs digital um, that shows the homeopathy prescription in england that fell nearly by a quarter in 2016 um, compared to last year. And it fell by 96% compared to 1996. That's pretty dramatic. Nice. Um, <laughs> so it's great news. It's a move to the right direction. It's a decline. Um, and because the funding for NHS is getting tighter and tighter, the review will be taking place of every single aspect of NHS spending and the medicine that don't work will not be prescribed and I, I can't see how homeopathy will stay. Um, 
being funded on NHS any longer. Um, I think at the moment they spent four million pounds on NHS. Um, and in fact, um, in a recent interview, um, Simon Stevens, who is a chief executive of NHS England, said that um, homeopathic medicine is placebo at best and it is absurd for doctors to prescribe it. So if the uh, chief executive himself thinks that, I really don't see how it's going to be funded good. any longer. Yeah. And uh, also, on another note, Edzard Ernst, who we talk about quite often on the show, has offered, um, as part of the uh, Homeopathy Awareness Week, a free course uh, for anybody who wants to... Um, a free lecture, yeah. A free lecture, sorry. Free lecture. A special offer to all homeopaths for a free lecture. And um, he is offering a 40-minute lecture with 30-minute uh, follow-up questions uh, on homeopathy. Wow. Uh, he's more than qualified um, on his website that we will link in our show notes. He it's, uh, link, lists all his <laughs> reasons for why he'd be great at it. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to know if anybody will take him up on his offer. Mm -hmm. And it's free. I mean, you can't go wrong, really. And um, he'll go in with all the expertise and knowledge um, and the evidence and he'll talk about homeopathy yeah, I mean right. what can go wrong yeah so there we go I would take I don't... that picture yeah yes oh so... I would definitely I would definitely I'm not sure there are any homeopaths uh, listening to this uh, this show yeah. but if uh, our listeners do know someone who's a homeopath and would be interested know somebody yeah <laughs> and if you haven't heard Edward Ernst give a talk yet then you definitely should um, on homeopathy uh, or anything else for that matter so yeah do do take him up for that and uh, it's absolutely a great great opportunity for everyone right I want to return to a something we talked about on episode 67 two weeks ago about the British Charity Commission uh, we talked about how it was re revising the charities in the UK, mm -hmm. yeah. and I expressed some scepticism uh, regarding their, <laughs> their ability to go through all of them before the deadline, which was 19th of May. Mm -hmm. But it turns out I had misunderstood what they're doing. So what they're doing until 19th of May is that they go through what their policy should be towards charities. Okay. So they're not they they're not planning to go through the uh, hundreds of thousands of, of charities by that date, which was seemed uh, absurd. So after the 19th, so yeah, well, then yeah. they're not starting to enforce something. They're trying to make up their minds about what they're going to enforce later on. Yes. So is that okay? So they're performing a consultation. So you can go to their website and you can leave your opinion, and they will base their policy based on that and other things. And after mm. the 19th of May, they will be in a position so that they can go through all the charities. I don't think they will systematically do it, but it will uh, be easier for uh, the public to report charities that have mm -hmm. questionable yeah. purposes. So this is all good news. And um, thank you very much, uh, Marsh, Michael Marshall of the Good Thinking Society, for setting me straight on this. <laughs> What really matters is that we have the information right and uh, we're not spreading any misinformation. So Absolutely. if someone ever uh, catches us doing something or saying something that is not actually true or we misunderstood, please contact us and uh, set us straight about that. Um, you might have noticed that all four items that we have just covered were from the United Kingdom. 
and um, this time we are uh, we have separated our uh, news items into different countries. So we are moving on to Germany, where um, a researcher uh, was actually banned um, from um, from being funded uh, for future uh, research projects because of misconduct. And uh, she works at the University of Cologne. Her uh, works that have been six papers actually that have been retracted so far because of misconduct. So she she started ex- uh, um, extrapolating things uh, based on very small amounts of data, and then then uh, used uh, a lot of data points in uh, and where whereas the actual data covered only one. So that kind of thing, uh, basically boosting the stuff that that she was working on. And it was all con- connected to cell biology and uh, that, that interesting stuff, by the way. But but it's it's how it goes. And um, there is a specific organization called the Deutsche Forschungsgemeinschaft. Sorry if I butchered <laughs> it completely. Sounds good to me. Uh, and that is an organization that funds more than thirty thousand projects per year. Wow. And um, they, they, they say um, retraction watch where where I came across this uh, this actual news item uh, that since 1998 uh, they have announced a ban due to data manipulation or misconduct only ten times. So this is one of those uh, in the last twenty years, almost twenty years. But that means that they um, enforce an action that might have an actual effect of um, of discouraging people from misconduct or actually claiming stuff that is not true. And um, also in Retraction Watch, there is a very interesting conversation and an interesting interview with uh, Daniel Fanelli, um, who's an Italian researcher. That's about an interesting notion that uh, if authors who retract their papers for honest errors own up to their, their own mistakes and errors then they are not penalized in the long run. So that means that, that they, they will be respected by the community for, um, for coming out and telling the community that, okay, I made a mistake, I retract this paper because I don't want to spread misinformation. So in the long run, that will have a positive effect on their reputation. Definitely, that sounds good. Uh, good. So, so you're not punished yeah, for being wrong. You're punished for being dishonest. And if you are wrong, absolutely. but you correct and it, then you're rewarded. Yeah. Or, or yeah, exactly. Good. It's a it's a very good principle mm. in general, and that's how science works and how science should work. Actually, German ministers have approved plans to fine social media firms up to 50 million euros or 42 million pounds um, if they fail to remove hate speech and fake news uh, from their websites quickly. The proposed law would give the companies 24 hours to block obviously criminal content after it had been reported and seven days for uh, other offensive material. However, plan to state explicitly that penalties could be imposed after a single infraction has been dropped. Of course, Facebook was the first to raise concern. (laughs) Um, They said that they work very hard to remove illegal content from the platform and are determined to work with others to solve this problem. But apparently, Twitter only removes 1% of hate speech. Facebook removes less than 50. 
but uh, uh, YouTube, I don't know why, but it's uh, manages to remove 99, so it's much better than the other two. Racism and hate speech are believed to have become more prevalent in Germany's social media, especially following the arrival of large numbers of refugees in the country. The draft law was un unveiled last month, and since then it has been amended to add child abuse imagery as a category, requiring a rapid response. So... Local tech lobby group Bitcom is concerned that social media platform will feel compelled to air in favor of censorship and given the short deadlines, it'll just um, remove any doubtful statements as a precaution and it could become a slippery slope um, and have a se potentially serious impact on the free speech on the internet. So I guess it's... Um, Double-edged sword in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I, I see problems with it when it's yeah. supposed to be so, that quick. And if you look at Twitter, Facebook and YouTube, you could probably argue that the reason Twitter removes less is that Twittering is quick. You know, you Twitter very quickly. I think they have more volume. Facebook is just a little bit slower. Uh, and But uh, YouTube, you don't post like uh, 30... If, uh, YouTube videos in 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 ten minutes, like you do on Twitter, you you post a lot, so it's very hard to keep up. That's my speculation, though. But, mm. but also, you know that that bit about uh, them uh, airing on the on the safe side and, and yeah. deleting stuff, even if it's not yes, there's nothing wrong with it, can lead to I don't know. I don't want to say North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. But uh, yeah, but problematic is the word. Maybe it could be problematic. Yeah. I'm talking about North Korea and others. Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty. It's pretty understandable. I think that in Germany, uh, all the public actors are trying to to do everything in their powers to to stop misinformation from spreading and and fake news and everything. Because I just I just recently read an article on Los Angeles Times about Merkel's um, situation on the international political stage, and it's mind blowing to to think about that. But but actually there is truth to it that Germany is slowly but surely becoming the leader of the free world, with the United States being lost <laughs> after uh, having elected Trump. Mm as a president and the UK leaving the EU and probably ending up uh, as as little England <laughs> instead of the United Kingdom um, in the long run, uh, there is one superpower that is capable of leading the, the free world because of their, their actual political and economic power and their leader's vision of what should be done but but the, the problem is as the, the this article says is that the, the germans don't want to see their own country as the world leader they want to see they 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 the only interest is internal affairs so it's not they, they don't want to talk about international things and the international political things and political actions and affairs so it's an interesting situation but still that means that it's crucial to get the facts straight and that get them right and and not let any false information spread as real and uh, so alternative reality is not something that 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 uh, the german way can be can be built on hmm. that's just a thought yeah but uh, moving on to spain 
actually, uh, where this this is an issue, uh, not because of uh, Spain um, aspiring to become the world leader, or the, the the leader of the free, free world, but uh, because there are uh, very active groups, activist uh, groups that are uh, trying to to tackle this this very problem. There appear to be new fronts in the war against pseudosciences, um, in in specifically in the field of medicine. Um, in uh, in Spain, where um, this um, I'm quoting the Skepticus website, there are hopes for those trying to promote critical thinking, because we have talked about a group of uh, pharmacists that were against homeo- uh, the use of homeopathy uh, in pharmacies, pharmacientia, and apparently there is uh, the the medical college that created an observatory against pseudoscience. And uh, they will try to um, investigate uh, certain pseudoscientific claims and uh, th- they will probably even try to work together with Pharmaciencia. And about Pharmaciencia, they have just been established as an actual legal association. So that means that they will probably be capable of achieving more as a legal, legally existing association. It would be nice to see where it develops and how it develops in the future. Speaking about uh, Spain, uh, I just want to mention that uh, the El Skeptical uh, issue number 46, uh, the current issue of the skeptical uh, Spanish Skeptical magazine, is dedicated fully to the memory of the passing of Carl Sagan, which was uh, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. So mm-hmm. it's very aptly called 20 years without Carl Sagan and has articles on his influence on, on critical thinking, yeah. how he's influenced uh, the popularization of science in, in Spain and other things. It looks like a very interesting number. So. Uh, if you can read Spanish, I suggest you try to get hold of a copy. <laughs> uh, I studied a little Spanish, but I, I don't know if I can make my way through a, a long text like that. Uh, El Esceptico is published by the skeptical organization in, uh, in Spain called Society for the Advancement of Critical Thinking. But that's, that's the English translation of it. So uh, I, I don't want to try to dare give you the, the, the Spanish one. Nice. And last but not least, let's talk about what's going on in Switzerland, where uh, Skeptica Schweiz uh, just announced that um, they are launching a research department within the organization. And they will do some research into uh, public affairs, critical thinking, rationality, uh, the probability theory and, and that kind of things. And um, also, they will try to to uh, investigate empirical problems as 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 well. They have already been doing some kind of research, but mostly led by Marko Kovic, whom we interviewed on episode seventeen, actually. And um, he's published a couple of very interesting articles into the psychological and the sociological aspects of critical thinking and how critical thinking should be promoted. The results will be published free of charge and the funding for those research activities will come from the members of the the society, apparently. So from time to time, they're going to publish something and it's something to look forward to by Skeptica Schweiz. Mm, very good. Ooh, so quite a number of uh, of news uh, news items, uh, but we do have an, uh, other things to talk about. So uh, we are going to crack on with that. And the next 
segment that follows is called analysis. It's been long overdue because uh, we've been planning to do this for a long, long time. Now will be the time and it will be presented by Pontus Bookman. So yes, so I'm going to talk about measles uh, in Europe. I'm sure you've noticed that measles have been in the news this year and still is actually. This um, disease was almost extinct in Europe. Uh, if you go back like maybe 10 years or so, but it's tragically made a, a, a comeback. And with all the reports of what you see in the papers, I was curious to look into, you know, the facts of this and how it really, what the situation really is. So, but first, the first question is really, how, how dangerous is it? Very shortly, about 10% of all children with measles get ear infections, which could lead to hearing, permanent hearing loss. 5% will get uh, pneumonia and about one uh, in a thousand will die from the disease mm. and from the complications. And, and the worst complication you can get is something called panencephalitis, which is a progressive brain inflammation, which supposedly occur in one in 10,000 cases. But when it occurs, it's usually fatal. However, this number, 1 in 10,000, has been challenged lately because there was a study last year coming from the CDC in the US. And the CDC is the Centers for Disease Control. According to that new study, 1 out of 600 children in California, if you were below 1 years old, got this uh, complication. So 1 in 600, not in 1 in 10,000. And for older children in this study, it was one in uh, in fourteen hundred. So it seems to be much more uh, common than previously thought. And panencephalitis is is usually fatal. Most children die from this, and it takes up up to three years. So it's really a terrible, terrible disease. All right. So is it really on on the march here in in uh, Europe? So I went to look at the ECDC, which is the European Center of Disease Control, mm -hmm. and looked at some, some uh, data because they, they have a lot of statistics there. And as has been indicated in the media, as I've seen, two countries stand out especially in Europe. It's Romania, which is the absolute leader, if you'd want to lead in this kind of, of uh, <laughs> contest, and also <laughs> Italy. But uh, oh. yeah, Italy is, is also up there. But Romania is on top with nearly uh, 2,000 cases of measles last year. And this is way above any other country in, in Europe. This is, uh, if you measure it, it's, it's 95 cases per million inhabitants. So 95 cases. The, the average for Europe is eight. Mm. And unfortunately, it's getting even worse. Only since September in Romania, there's been 17 deaths uh, in measles. Mm. UNICEF, interestingly, saw this coming because looking at social media, they issued a warning back in April of 2013 about the anti-vaccination sentiments of Eastern Europe. So it, this is predictable. Uh, it, it, you can see it coming if you know what to look at. So we can look at the vaccination rates to, to reach this, what you call herd immunity, you have to be above 95%. Yeah. Because in measles, 
Measles is very, very contagious. If you basically, if you have a measles case in the urgency uh, room in, in the hospital, you basically have to check everybody who was there and also their contacts because it, it uh, transmits very, very easily. So herd immunity is 95% and herd immunity, for those who don't know, is if you were above herd immunity or this 95%, then you can sort of be quite confident that this disease won't create an epidemic. In EU, we are in 2015, which was the latest number I found, just above uh, the 95%, 95.2%. In Romania, it was 86. Mm. And that's enough. You know, you if you're even 86 might sound like, well, 86% is quite a lot. But you can see from this that th this is, uh, this it's not enough. So... Back to some more statistics. I'm sorry, there's a lot of numbers here, but I'll try to, to make it uh, clear. So in EU last year, mm -hmm. we had about 4,000 uh, cases of measles in Europe. Almost 2,000 of them were in Romania. 860 of them were in Italy. So Italy has also twice the, the number of cases per million uh, than the average of EU. And then there is on... I, I won't go through the whole list. But we, maybe we can publish it on the website, I don't know. So that was last year. But what is the current trend? Well, the trend is really looking bad. In January this year, we had more cases in Europe than in all of 2016. Mm. So we had almost 5,000 uh, cases in just one month. And we had 4,000 in all of 2016. So does that mean that the epidemic started? Uh, well, it almost uh, looks like it. I, I, I think it's too early to say, and I wouldn't be expert enough to, to, to be able to tell. But last January 2016 was 120 cases. This January was almost 5,000. You know, if you would extrapolate that, uh, which I'm not sure you can do, but if you just do that, you would have more than 100,000 cases in 2017. Mm. So um, scary, eh? <laughs> it's it's really 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 scary. Do we know how many countries have compulsory vaccination against uh, measles? No, I, because I, th there are countries, as far as I know, there are countries where it's 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 a matter of choice. So you you not it's not compulsory to to vaccinate you know, your kids. I don't know. I, I I know that only seven countries in the EU is above the ninety five percent vaccination rate. Okay, and I can I can I can tell you those, and actually it's good news for the three of us because Latvia is there, Sweden is there, and Hungary is there. Ha! Yeah, yeah, there you go. Check this out. Yeah, uh, and also so is also Spain, Germany, Portugal, and Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. And I I do I know in Sweden, for instance, I know that it's not compulsory. There's no law, but it's 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 offered for free, and everybody is expected to take it. But I think you can refuse. There's no, you, you know, the police won't come and drag your children to the hospital and give them the shot. That that won't happen. I think in Hungary that is the case. Um, I, I haven't done my research about that, but uh, the last things I remember about that is we have 11 combined vaccines that, that, that are given to, to children. Mm -hmm. And I think we are the leader of that vaccination race um, because we vaccinate against the most diseases, um, I, I think. That fits with the statistics because Hungary has 99% uh, 
coverage. Uh, this is 2015, so mm-hmm. but that's the latest number. On, only Luxembourg has also 99%. Everybody else is below there. So mm-hmm. that, that sounds right. But then there are also... I mean, Sweden has 98%. So that sounds... Okay, we should be safe here then. But yeah. there are pockets here as well. So even though we have an average of 98%, there is a, a suburb uh, called Rinkeby outside of Stockholm where the vaccination rate is only 73%. And of course, in such pockets, you can still have outbreaks. And that could transmit to to children who are too young to be uh, vaccinated, out, also outside that those communities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also, I believe... Uh, Germany has, uh, well, I, I know that Germany has 97% coverage, but they also have uh, outbreaks. Um, so I think that could be, and this is speculation from my side, but it could be connected with the uh, migration. Mm-hmm. A lot of immigrants have come in lately, as we all know, and uh, they have not had access to vaccination programs or they may be uh, not wanting to have. I know that there is a, uh, in this case of Rinkeby in Sweden, there is a Somali community there where they are very, very, very suspicious against vaccinations and they absolutely refuse. So those those sentiments can contribute to get a lot of, uh, or you can get at least minor outbreaks even in com- countries with uh, high vaccination rates. So that's what I've found it looks very bad i think for for europe as a whole yeah. we have to try to fight the anti-vaccination sentiments uh, with all we got yeah or we just accept that uh, stefan lanka's <laughs> opinion uh, that uh, the measles virus doesn't even exist yeah strange then that the uh, countries with high vaccination rates don't get uh, measles Oh, yeah, that's 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 very interesting. Yeah, is it true that measles, for the right level of immunity, uh, to be achieved, you need two doses? I believe so. And I'm I think that it was before 1989 in Hungary there was only one dose given, and it was after the political changes that it actually started to um, to rise and uh, the the double shot. Uh, came about so by double i don't mean that that you get a a double dose right away but uh, you have to do it in two installments you get two yeah 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 two jabs i don't know if you guys listened to the point of inquiry podcast but uh on the last episode there was an interview with paul offit um he's he's an immunologist and um, a pediatrician, um, and uh, he's he co- the, he's the co-inventor of the rotavirus uh, vaccine, mm. and he used to be a member of the Center for Disease Control Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. So he knows a, a thing or two about vaccinations and and how the, the, what the anti anti vaccination movement is out to do in terms of um, damage to uh, public health. So I do recommend everyone to to listen to that interview. It's very interesting, and uh, he he says a lot of very scary stuff as well. All right, thanks very much, Pontus. Thank you. All that means that uh, we're going to be listening to Pontus again, because <laughs> the next segment that we have is 
um, the usual really wrong. So actually today I, I have already talked a lot, so I, I was uh, <laughs> not going to do a, a really wrong segment, but I want to do, but since considering what's happened today in Stockholm with the terror attack, I want to do a very short really right segment instead. Probably I've, I belong to my own little filter bubble on on the social media, so I don't see everything that goes on. I see only my friends, but what I do see is a lot of skeptics going out very, very nicely, pointing out when people go over the line and start to speculate what's happened, what was the motive, etc. So, yeah. Please don't spread news. Do you know that this has happened? Look here. Here's what the police actually said. Very, very respectfully trying to control uh, the, the, the rumors or... Sp- stopping rumors from spreading there was for instance have been several rumors about shots being fired in many different places in 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 stockholm so far they have all been denied by by the police and they said no that's that's not true nobody's been shooting it was this truck going through um uh, and killing people running into people but no, no shots have been fired as far as we know at this point. So I, I need to also be, you know, more things may come through. So, but I, I really, I really see a lot of good things, not just from skeptics actually, also from other people. Uh, there is this hash, hashtag called uh, Open Stockholm, where people are opening their ha- houses on their apartments for people who cannot go home. Because there have been, uh, of course, tra- uh, stops in transportations. The uh, central station has been uh, shut down, at least temporarily. And people are opening up their homes to, to for people who cannot get home. And it's actually seeing uh, uh, the nicest part of humanity you can imagine <laughs> in this uh, troubled times. That is so heartwarming. That's nice. Yeah, I'm just... I'm just looking at the hashtag. Yeah, so a really right award to everybody who is uh, doing this right and who is, uh, you know, trying to be sensible when it's easy to run amok from fear and uh, and panic. Uh, actually, I don't I don't know why, but among my Hungarian Facebook contacts, uh, it has already been started. Mm. Uh, that um, calling calling the, the the Swedish police names, <laughs> that yeah. how incompetent they are, and that and that 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 even even Sweden has fallen, and and yeah, and coincidentally, those um, people they are supporters of the the current government in Hungary, who 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 is actually spreading this this fear about immigration and uh, the migration and the the terrorism that um, that that is going on yeah so yeah it's terrible when people people start you know their own agendas being built on that yeah it's a it's a trend we have to fight you know yeah very respectfully going and pointing out this is what we know this is what we don't know so don't speculate please I like that, and uh, I saw that you even shared it on uh, Facebook. Yeah, 
uh, in Swedish uh, and it circulates in English as well. Mm. It started. Uh, I, I first came across it when uh, the London attack happened. Mm. That uh, yeah, how to handle uh, breaking news. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. About stuff. Yeah. yeah, people need to be reminded. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, exactly. anyway, sad news, but uh, signs of good people doing good things as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when humanity really makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being human. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. And that means that we are probably at the end of a very long uh, episode. <laughs> um, well, in our defense, in our own defense, we've had longer episodes than this. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we all agree that it, it has been packed with with all, uh, all the different pieces of information. So all that's left for us is to finish the episode with a quote. Jelena, do you have one for us? I do. Uh, it comes from David Hume, who was a Scottish philosopher, historian, economist and essayist. He said, in our reasonings concerning matter of fact, there are all imaginable degrees of assurance, from the highest certainty to the lowest species of moral evidence. A wise man, therefore, proportions his belief to the evidence. Mm. That's right. Yeah, and it's it resonates very well with what what has just been said. Yeah, <laughs> coincidentally, not on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> not on purpose. Go with the evidence, people. And that's what you should believe. Hmm? Yes. Yeah. And on that note, we are closing the show. Thanks very much, Yelena and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much to our listeners for listening, for tuning in. And until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Всем привет. Say it again, please. Did you forget Всем it? Привет. Sorry. I just want to remind the listeners, but I don't have it all here because okay. Make sure you start start the sentence over. <laughs> Presented by Yellow Levin, <laughs> who is at the moment eating something yeah, like a hamster. What is it? is it? Is it? It's a chocolate. It's a chocolate. It's a chocolate. All right. Okay. Good timing. Good timing. Yep.
Are you, are you going to introduce me or shall I just dive straight in? Should, I already have. I already did. 